heavy hearts, puffy eyes, trying to recover from a night filled with weeping. They've lost their dear friend to betrayal, to injustice, to this cross of public humiliation. Oh Lord, how did this happen? It's brutal. It's unbelievable. They've barely slept, but they want to do what is good and right. A proper burial, tending to his body, anointing him with oil and spices, honoring their friend, giving him some dignity. The sun's up and they're on the move. Imagine them swiftly moving in the early light. Listen to their voices. Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome. And they draw near to the tomb that's carved out of the rocky hillside, and Salome asks the question, Who will roll the stone away for us? That question hangs in the air. The sun blazing in their eyes now as they try to squint and refocus on what they can see. What? Can it be the stone's already been rolled away? Who did this? What if it's grave robbers? Mary thinks to herself, Ugh, my heart cannot take another bruising. They descend the three steps into the tomb. And again, trying to adjust their vision in that dim, lighted space. Ah! Did I surprise you? (laughs) They scream. It's a man, a young man. It's not Jesus. This person dressed in bright white. And that glow filling the tomb. Their hearts are thumping. Their faces are full of fear. The boy says, do not be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. The women are speechless. Their eyes wide open. They don't know whether to laugh, to run, or to cry. The young man speaks again. This time he's pointing. Look, there's the place they laid him. But now... Go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Now, I suppose that if you or I were there, we might have fainted. You think? Light-headed, um, Sleep-deprived, that musty space, sensory overload. Can you imagine your knees buckling and faltering as you hit that dusty floor? But not for these three women. And who knows, perhaps it was the adrenaline or that flight-and-fight reflex. Maybe it's their stubborn resilience. We read in the story that the women fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them.
fleeing with fear. Is this not the most honest Easter story ever? (laughs) Fleeing with fear? And that's why this year I'm really appreciating the Gospel of Mark version of the Easter story. Terror and amazement seize them. They said nothing. They were afraid. How are we feeling in the first days of April 2021? Many people talk of the pandemic roller coaster. Have you heard of that? It's like one moment you're, hey, I've totally got this. I'm having a great day. And then the next moment, <laughs> can't take it anymore. We should find ourselves right at home with the two Marys and Salome. They're doing the best they can do, one foot in front of the other, making their way, but then they're upended and they're told to go, to tell, to catch up, to see. The final phrase from the young man gives them and us our marching orders for Easter. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. I think we can really build 50 days of Eastering from these phrases. And so I want us to ponder and maybe parse up these phrases a bit. And I'm going to show you a picture as we do that. We often like to show hey, key artist uh, paintings. I, I think you have this if you're in the sanctuary with us. And it's on the screen. So go. We are exhorted to go, to move from the dim, musty spaces, to run into the light. We're told to go and tell. Tell his disciples. Tell the story of Jesus, this presence of a living God in our lives. It's interesting that it's go and tell and remember to tell Peter too. Peter specifically named. Maybe because Peter is on the outs with his crew. And that's encouraging news for us on Easter Sunday. If we're feeling down and out, there is lots and lots of grace for us. He is going ahead of you. A living Jesus. On the loose, going ahead of us, our leader, the protagonist of our story. Where is he going? He's going to Galilee. Location, 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 geography matters. The women are sent back to familiar places to re-engage in those familiar spaces. But this time, telling the stories of a living Jesus who speaks and lives out new creation. There you will see him. They will not be alone. They will see the living Christ. Just as he told you, these promises are true. And we and generations of Christians have been living 
into and out of God's promises for hundreds of years. That promise, halfway through the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus says the Son of Man will be killed and after three days rise again. Imagine yourself living in that space, hearing these commands to go, to tell, to catch up, to see. And let's also remember what we're working with on an Easter Sunday morning, journeying with these three women. We ministry staff were reflecting on that this week and thinking of these women with jars of oil clanging at their side, bags of spices, the tins of anointing nard, ready to tend to their friend. But he was gone. Who will they tend to now? Who will we tend to? I suggest that the young man dressed in white is sending the women to tend to the world. When they catch up to Christ and join Jesus in creating this new day, this new way, this revolutionary way of healing in a world full of people who might be dented, bruised, and heavy-hearted just like they were. And so we can be those people, bringing tender care, being voices of allyship, honoring, blessing, redeeming, offering hands of help and healing and hope. I was rereading Brian McLaren this week, As he writes about Easter, he talks about tending to the world, and he calls it an uprising. And on Easter Sunday, uprising or rising up feel like great images for us. The risen Christ with us, among us, within us. McLaren writes, it feels like an uprising. An uprising of hope, not hate. An uprising armed with love, not weapons. An uprising that shouts a joyful promise of love and peace. Not angry words of hostility and death. It's an uprising of the outstretched hands, not clenched fists. This is where you can participate with me. An uprising of the outstretched hands, not clenched fists. Every Easter season, we talk about being a people who are Easter people. And I often use this phrase, we can be this people who put the life of Jesus on display for the 50-day season of Easter. And McLaren's uprising phrases give us some great images to work with, especially as we seek to rise up in these days. We think about our church. What kind of church is First Baptist going to look like as we rise up out of the pandemic? One of the sad stories I've heard too many times in these days is the church being known as 
being mean. Mean Christians hitting the headlines. So maybe one of our simple prayers as we rise up could be, Jesus, deliver us from being mean. Let's hear McLaren's phrases again and envision how we might live these phrases out in these first days of Easter. How we might tend to those around us who are dented and bruised and heavy-hearted. Can we be this uprising of hope, not hate? Can we go out this week armed with love, not weapons? Voicing joyful promises of life and peace, not angry threats of hostility and death. And again, that image of the outstretched hand. So let's rush back into the city this week. Or maybe we will burst forth into a room nearby, a corridor close to us. Or maybe you will be entering a Zoom room this week. Let's embody Christ. Our living God who breathes and infuses our spirits and our bodies and our voices and our imaginations with the spirit and presence of a living Christ. Outstretched arms, everybody. Let's do it again. Outstretched arms. Putting Jesus' life on display in our lives. So that our lives become that place where Jesus can again and again be risen indeed.